welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. Martin Luther said, We need to study the passion of Christ in order that we might remember that it happened for our good and for our eternal benefit. I must have regard for his bloody sweat, his agony, and his crucifixion, and say that is my help, my strength, my life, my joy. All this happened for our sakes and for our benefit. We must believe this and thank him from the bottom of our hearts. Whoever does that and views the suffering of Christ in this way is a Christian. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. What is a tragedy and what is a comedy? Is the passion of Christ a tragedy? Is there such a thing as a Christian tragedy? Joining us today on the Wittenberg Hour is Reverend Anthony Dodgers. Pastor Dodgers shepherds the flock at Emmanuel Lutheran in Charlotte, Iowa, and is husband to Betsy, father to baby Dodgers, and loves literature. Pastor Dodgers, a blessed Lenten tide to you and yours. Thanks, Jocelyn. It's good to be back here, even during this season of Lent. Uh, you know, Lent gets us really focused on the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and to look at those historical events, uh, you know, through the lens of story, I, I think can often be a helpful way to, to meditate on them. So it'll be fun to talk about that today. Absolutely. Thinking about story, uh, a lot of times we like to uh, put story into different categories, into different genres, and uh, the kind of genres on the table for us today are tragedy and comedy. Um, just so, you know, as has been our practice, uh, just so we're all on the same page and our listeners understand where we're coming from with this, because there are probably a lot of different notions in terms of what is tragedy and what is comedy. How would you define tragedy and comedy? There are a lot of different ways you can define these terms. And I think, uh, especially for us in our modern age, the word comedy or the, the genre classification of comedy does get a little confusing. So we often think of a comedy, you know, in the realm of a, a comedian and someone who just tells jokes or a comedy, a movie where it's, you know, maybe lots of slapstick, uh, just lots of funny, funny, different uh goofy things happening that actually I, th I just uh, you know realized the other day there's a different classification for just sort of goofy slapstick comedy and that's I think a, would be considered a farce um, so it's a whole different genre maybe uh, what I'm using the terms tragedy and comedy uh, in the more traditional sense when it comes to drama uh, all different kinds of stories but you see it most clearly in plays just you know, think of how Shakespeare writes tragedies, and he also writes comedies. Uh, this is this was also a distinction in the in the Greek plays, and I think there we could probably go into even some more, uh, you know, interesting details on what the how the Greeks 
defined tragedy and comedy and what they thought was necessary. I'm not going to go in in that direction today. Uh, I'll try to keep it as uh, simple as possible and give us a, uh, a basic way to see the two different types of stories that are told in a tragedy and a comedy. I think the easiest way to see the difference between them is actually think of those uh, those famous drama masks that you see as you know as a symbol for the theater there's the one mask that has the sad face and the other mask has the happy face so the obviously the sad face is for tragedy and the happy face is for comedy but the reason i point you to that is because the shape of their mouths can help you uh, picture this story arc for a tragedy or a comedy. You follow the curve of the frown or the curve of the smile, and you'll see the basic steps of those two literary forms. So the story of a tragedy follows the shape of the sad face. Uh, say the main character, for example, rises to some level of power or success, and that might be due to fortune, just his good fortune. It might be due to the whims of the gods, uh, you know, in some of the Greek tragedies. Uh, but it also, maybe more clearly in Shakespeare's plays, might be due to his own sinful ambition. And at the top of the arc, the top of that frowny face, uh, you, you might think, is the main character going to be victorious? Is he all set, right? Uh, and then things fall apart, and he's punished for his evil deeds or he's just you know he's destroyed by the people who the forces who are against him and so the flow of a tragedy the flow of the story goes up and then it falls down to a dark end just like picture that frowny face uh, the rise comes first and then the fall and it always ends in some kind of death either a, a literal death or you know figurative sort of metaphorical death of shame or you know destruction of some kind the story of the comedy now uh, reverses that story arc uh, it follows the shape of the happy face the main characters start off in a good place up top uh, but then disaster strikes something happens that causes separation between the characters or ruin to them uh, the story sinks down into some kind of danger or loss and you might there at the bottom of that arc uh, sort of down in the valley of the smiley face you might even think are we actually in a tragedy uh, is this is this the end here is it all is it all hopeless and then when it things like when it seems like things are at their worst the characters are saved or their their fortunes are reversed there's a sudden and unexpected change or reversal uh, that brings about restoration reconciliation resurrection so the arc is completed by going back up uh, in the comedy it's the opposite of the tragedy the comedy you have the fall first and then the story arc rises to its joyful uh, happy end just like you know picturing that smile this is a very broad generalization of course and so every particular tragedy or comedy that you read or watch is going to handle this 
differently and might even have uh, a couple uh, arcs within one story where you know it kind of goes it goes uh, down and then up and then down again and then up again or you know or the or reverse and uh, they're going to play with that to keep you on your toes because if every story was exactly the same it would get pretty boring um, but and, and sometimes the stories start all in the middle of the story arc like you know maybe maybe the particular story you're reading uh it, it is a comedy but it didn't start at the good happy place it starts as you're already halfway down the slope down towards the bottom you know and so that can that can happen too there's a lot of different ways that artists and authors can can play with the form but those those uh those two arcs uh i think at least give us uh, a basic general understanding so give us uh as as we have this picture in our mind um give us some examples of of where in stories uh we might see these these arcs play out yeah i would like to start with some examples at not from drama from theater but from folk tales so we uh technically class can classify uh folk tales uh well there's several different ways you could classify them but one way to classify them is cautionary tales and fairy tales and i'll explain uh in a little bit maybe why we would uh, separate fairy tales off from cautionary tales cautionary tales i think sounds pretty self-explanatory a really uh, obvious uh example would be the boy who cried wolf who you know he he thinks he's playing the trick on the townspeople and he says there's a wolf and they come and then uh you know there isn't and he does it several times so finally they're like he's just a liar we're not going to listen to him and then the wolf does come <laughs> and he cries there's a wolf and they're like no he's just lying again we're not going to be fooled and so the the boy gets eaten and uh, the cautionary tale always ends uh, as a tragedy it ends it ends without a, a happy ending because the point is to caution you to give you some moral it, you know in this way cautionary tales are much more moralistic than i think fairy tales technically are so the the moral there is you know don't be a liar people <laughs> won't believe you and you'll get uh, you'll get what's coming to you that way uh maybe another little example a couple other examples would be the story of like chicken little or um chicken licking henny penny however whatever term you're used to hearing that story you know where the sky is falling and she gets her other friends and they all believe that the sky is falling and then they get deceived and taken in by foxy loxy into his den uh literally taken into his den and eaten right or the gingerbread man uh i don't know that story i admit it's been a long time since i've uh, read some of these stories but i there's something like you know he uh he runs away uh, run run as fast as you can you can't catch me i'm the gingerbread man but i think in the end he gets eaten right so uh you know his his uh pride gets the better of him i guess and uh all these kinds of cautionary tales tell us some teach us some sort of lesson that uh, if we don't watch out we'll come we'll come to a bad end like these these other characters so i'd say cautionary tales are exam are examples of tragedies 
I think that is, uh, that's fantastic. And I, I, I love the fact that you started with this because uh, sometimes when we think about, uh, I, I love the fact that you started with, with the cautionary tales and the fairy tales, because sometimes when we think about um, tragedy and comedy, we have this kind of highfalutin notion that there's going to be this complexity that we that we have to engage with. And here we have very simple stories um, that also follow these arcs that, uh, that you had described for us earlier. So uh, if, if cautionary tales are tragedies, then uh, I'm, I'm going to take a, a leap and say, so does that mean that fairy tales are, uh, are comedies? Yes. There, as I said, there are different ways that you can classica- classify folk tales. I, I guess I'm convinced that if we want to be, uh, we want to be accurate and, and, uh, and, and clear that we should define a fairy tale as a comedy so that if it's, if it doesn't have a happy end, if they don't live happily ever after, it's not really a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale or it's a fable or it's a, um, oh, I'm forgetting of what what other ones there you could have, but uh, it's some it's a different kind of folk tale. So fairy tales, uh, I think, two of good examples would be Little Red Riding Hood or uh, Snow White. Although Little Red Riding Hood is an interesting one to show what I'm talking about with uh, is it a fairy tale or not? Does it have a happy ending or not? Because there's actually different versions of it. Some you can buy a book of children's stories or fairy tales, and uh, it ends with Little Red Riding Hood and her grandmother inside the belly of the wolf, and that's the end. And you even uh, have in some versions a little moral uh, attached to it. You know, it's like uh, don't go off the path, don't get just don't don't uh, little girls. Uh, watch out for wolves, uh, <laughs> basically, as sort of a funny, uh, I mean, to us, I think it's it's funny, but the person who wrote it was deadly serious. Uh, ladies, watch out, the big bad wolf, The you know, men are out there and they're going to get you. Um, so it's kind of, I, I feel like it's a little ridiculous, but the, uh, the ending that I guess I always grew up with, and I think the more traditional uh, ending for Little Red Riding Hood is the woodcutter comes yes. in and chops off the wolf's head, or he, you know, guts uh, chop cuts into the wolf's belly, and Grandma and Little Red Riding Hood pop out. So you have a literal uh, death and resurrection happening there, right? So again, this the arc of the comedy is that Little Red Riding Hood and Grandma go down into the belly of the wolf. They get tricked, they get deceived, and they get gobbled up. But then. The reverse is the woodcutter saves them, right? And they come out again. Snow White is another example of a death and resurrection comedy. Uh, you have Snow White getting chased, of course, by the, uh, or, you know, getting driven out into the forest by the evil queen. Uh, she she finds a home, but that's not, that's not the true happy ending with the dwarves. Uh, she gets tricked by the evil queen, right? And she falls into this, uh, what seems to be mm-hmm. death. And then the prince comes and kisses her and awakens her to life again. So there's a death and resurrection. And there's 
a wedding at the end, that the prince comes, rescues the princess, and they live together, husband and wife, happily ever after. And that brings up another common occurrence in a comedy, that it ends with a wedding. That's just, you're, we're going to see that uh, several more times as we go along. You know, I'm, I'm going to hold myself back, uh, but I, I hope that our listeners are kind of ex- as excited about where this is going as I am, because you, the, the way you are setting this up, I'm like, this is, this is the story of the Christian life, right? Um, you know, and the fact that you just tacked on the fact that, you know, a comedy ends with the wedding, um, I, I'm, I'm excited. So um, I, I don't, I don't want to uh, get too far off into the weeds, but this is, this is awesome. Let's, uh, let's keep going. Sure. No, I, I love it too, which is why I, I love talking about this. When I, as, I've, as I started to notice these connections, and, and often it was because other people pointed them out to me, uh, I, I got me really excited as well. Uh, I have to give you know some credit to uh, some. I, I listen to a lot of other literature podcasts, and I've learned a lot from, uh, from several of them, and uh, they've shown a lot or help, helped me uh, see these patterns in stories where we can really make some neat connections. Well, you mentioned that uh, it's nice to start with these very simple stories, right, where they just have the very basic form of tragedy or comedy. There's, of course, many other much more complicated versions of that, but it's doing the same thing. Uh, some of our listeners, when they hear us talking about comedy in this way, they might even might even think of a very you know famous work that has the word comedy in it, but doesn't seem to be all that funny. That's Dante's Divine Comedy. I think often people hear about what you know what is that about? Uh, why is it called the Divine Comedy? It doesn't have uh, you know does it have jokes in it? Um, no, it's again the name for the form that he's writing so if you know dante it's it's it, it, there's three books there's uh, hell purgatory and paradise or you know inferno purgatorio and paradiso and so uh it, it here's an example of where the author doesn't quite give you the full story arc he starts he starts with uh himself, Dante, uh, the main character on, in, on this journey, he starts, you know, basically almost at the bottom. He, he's sort of halfway down that, that downward slope in the shape of the comedy uh, as he starts going down into hell, but then he comes back up again, you know, to, uh, to, to paradise. But that is why it's called, a, it's called the Divine Comedy, because he's following that basic structure. Other examples, more complex examples, would be from Shakespeare. Uh, a couple tragedies that we could name would be Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet. Uh, my favorite is Macbeth to use as an example, because here's, here's a man and his wife who get to the top of the story arc. They rise to power through their sinful action right through by murdering their king and then their fall is because 
of what they did they go they go mad because of their guilt and they are defeated by their enemies so that's just a perfect example of a tragedy where uh, the downfall of the main character Macbeth is brought about because he is uh, he's wicked the um uh, Romeo and Juliet example maybe is a good example of some of a different kind of tragedy where Romeo and Juliet aren't necessarily brought they aren't you know they they spoilers they die at the end um i always get so like i get you know shake my head when when uh you know kids uh or people you know, say things like oh they're just like you know these two two people they're so in love they're like romeo and juliet and i'm like wait you know how that story <laughs> right. ends right <laughs> not that's not a good we should thing. not aspire to romeo and juliet yeah. <laughs> right right um but we can see that it's not through their you know their own sinfulness necessarily that brings about their death but but other outside forces particularly the um you know, the feud between their families that brings about this tragic end. And then comedy, a couple comedy examples uh, that I like would, could be uh, much ado about nothing that uh, you have two couples there and throughout the play, there's this will they or won't they kind of issue, right? Um, with Benedict and Beatrice, that's that's the problem. Is uh, they actually do love each other, they just don't want to admit it, right? And so there's this um, constant struggle between them. Uh, and then with the other main couple, uh, Claudio and uh, and his bride Hero, they it go their relationship goes up and down because of other people meddling in it and, t and lying to them you know and uh, deceiving them in some way and so there's a terrible moment in that play where you think we're in a tragedy uh the marriage they you know claudio and hero were about to get married and then the marriage is broken off and uh people think that hero the the bride they think that she even dies because of, you know from from grief and then at the end there's a happy reunion there's sort of a resurrection scene and uh there's a double a double wedding so once again the comedy ends with a wedding one other example i won't, don't want to give too much uh, detail on these things but uh the winter's tale is a shakespeare play that maybe is not as well known as some of the others but i think it's just fantastic and you have all, all the classic images uh of a of a comedy in this play where the the downfall part of it is uh, children are separated from their parents uh there is uh, death or what appears to be uh, death and then you have the uh, the classic images at the at the end with the upswing of the comedy where the children and parents are reunited there is a resurrection there's resurrection scenes and uh, and it ends with a wedding again something I guess something just to notice about all comedies I already said that most many comedies end with a wedding but even if they don't end with a, a wedding there they end with some sort of a party there's there's always rejoicing uh, at the end so uh, a wedding of course is the most if we're going to rank parties i think we would we would 
put a wedding as just like that's the high point of all parties, right? Like it's it's not only a celebration, but it's the celebration of love and faithfulness and a celebration of the union that will actually bring new life, right? In in husbands and wives bearing children. So uh, a wedding is just kind of the the image of all images for, for what a party uh, should be about. The way these stories impact our demeanor, right? I mean, it, it, they, they literally, I mean, at the end of a tragedy, there's just such... Such remorse and such, you know, re regret and such, you know, just there's there's always loss, and and so you you contrast that with a wedding celebration or or rejoicing of of some manner, and and in that um, there is gain. Right. You know, I mean, so contrasting that, um, you know, we can we can see the 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 um, the comedy and tragedy masks in our mind. So we see those arcs. But then thinking about just that, you know, how does this play out and and seeing that that contrast of of loss versus gain. And I and I love the fact that it's it's a wedding because um in that gain, right, the gain that that comes from a wedding, um, it's the gift that keeps on giving because you know, um, as as uh, is is hopeful uh, at a wedding, you know that that down the road children will come, you know, and so it's it's this um, more, uh, it, it's it's not just. A, a temporary rejoicing, but it's rejoicing that leads to more rejoicing. We've we've talked before uh, about um, you know about story and that that we can learn from story, but that story is not um, it, it's it's not relegated only to the realm of the secular, right? That story uh, we also see story in the sacred. So do we see? Uh, tragedies and comedies. I mean, this seems like kind of a, a, a very uh, well, uh, of course, <laughs> question. Um, but where where do we see uh, tragedy and comedy in the Bible? What are some good examples of that? Yeah, I think we definitely do, and one of the reasons. I think it's useful to understand these forms is that when you then go to read the Bible, these forms, these forms are going to jump out at you and you're going to notice even more about what's going on in the stories that the Bible's telling. Uh, so for tragedies, uh, we won't spend too much time with tragedies in the Bible. I think most of them are probably very, very similar. And I would say maybe the most, I'm guess. I'm thinking that most of the tragedies we see in the Bible are all the the wicked mm. kings of Israel and Judah, and so there's all diff there's you know how many of of them uh, that kind of get repeated there in the book of King books of Kings and Chronicles. Uh, we see these these kings who do not trust in God; they trust in they trust in their own military power or in the military power of foreign nations and. Uh, they trust in even 
false gods instead of the God of Israel. And they, you know, they, they often seem to have some sort of power or success in a worldly way or in an unbelieving way, and yet they come to a bad end, right? God brings his judgment uh, against against them and uh, strikes them down. So uh, that's sort of the most, I think those are the most obvious tragedies, uh, kind of like the tragedy of Macbeth. We see that through all these different kings of Israel and Judah. Now, would these be examples, uh, again, just I'm thinking about uh, some of the different kings that we've been studying in, in catechesis recently, where a lot of them uh, start at the top of the ark, right? We don't we don't come into the the story uh, where they're at a, a, a low point, but that they start, you know, with with power and uh, and and might, and then and then they fall. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes the Bible gives uh, just sort of short versions of this with all these these different kings, and yeah, other and uh, and many times we just have them already there up at the top, uh, probably because you know. For many of them, they are born into the position right. of king, right? But then they don't learn from their father who died some gruesome death before them. They continue to have their own downfall uh, in each generation. Yeah, it's it's interesting as I kind of think about the, the scope of the Old Testament, especially, you know, as we think about the... Um, you know, the, the, the Babylonian exile, and then we have, you know, Cyrus's decree, and then we have the return. And this would be an entirely different podcast, but it's interesting to think about that in terms of these tragic arcs, um, you know, just in terms of then you put those in the scope of the whole picture, right? Um, And it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, is the whole thing, a tragedy is the whole thing a comedy you know but but that as you had pointed out earlier within a story there can be you know you can you can have more than just one thing or the other that there can be a, a series of arcs of of the various shapes yeah i think if you want to look at the the story of Israel in the Old Testament or the whole story of the Bible, which we'll hold off on a little bit, but we, we can see these are complex stories right. in many ways. And so there's there's often um, d- different arcs going different directions, some at the same time um, or in succession. And uh, we'll have a couple other examples of that uh, coming up here. One, one other tragedy I wanted to reference comes from the parables of Jesus. I was trying to think of not only historical accounts in the Bible that follow this pattern, but thinking about the parables of Jesus, are there any parables that are tragedies? And actually, I kind of had a hard time at first. Um, The one that I thought of, though, was the parable. It's called in, I think, in the ESV, they say the parable of the the rich fool. This is in Luke chapter 12. And uh, Jesus says that the land of a rich man produced plentifully. This farmer has a you know, great harvest and he gets he has such a great harvest he doesn't have room and so he says I'm going to tear down my old barns I'm going to build new barns and now I can just have a rich and easy life everything will be great right and God says to him 
You fool, this night your soul is required of you. You're going to die tonight. You did all of that chasing after earthly wealth, and you're not going to enjoy it at all. You're going to die now. And so Jesus gives us the, the sort of moral at the end of this parable. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Here's a classic cautionary tale, right, where it says, here's the downfall of this, this guy who trusted in his own earthly wealth and, uh, you know, don't be like him. Uh, find out how, how do I be rich toward God uh, so that I might you know, have, have life and not, not end in, in ruin. I like that comparison to the cautionary tale. So um, thinking about that, um, you know, we always think about the, the lesson that comes out of the parables. So are all of the parables uh, do they all fall into that uh, that kind of uh, cautionary, tragic realm? I would. My answer to that is definitely no, and that's why I said it's kind of. I had a hard time thinking of a parable of Jesus that did end as a as a tragedy that was a cautionary tale because I think most of his parables. Not uh, granted, I didn't spend a long, long time like reading through all the gospels, finding all of the parables, but is from based on what all the ones I could think of, most of the parables I would say fall more in the category of fairy tale. You know, if we want to, if we want to go keep going with the cautionary tale versus fairy tale, tragedy versus comedy, uh, most of the parables I would say are comedies. And uh, the best, easiest examples uh, for that would be in Luke chapter 15. So we have three parables in Luke 15, one after the other, all about things that get lost and then are found. You have the lost sheep, right? The she- here's look, just remember that smiley face story arc. The sheep gets lost. There's the fall. The shepherd finds him. There's the rise. The coin gets lost. There's the fall. The woman finds the coin. There's the rise. Both of those also end with parties, right? Uh, the the shepherd and the woman say rejoice with me and jesus says there's the angels are all having a party in heaven when a sinner repents right when a sinner who is lost is found there's a party in in heaven then the third parable we often call it the parable of the the prodigal son i i don't think that's a good name for it at all i've heard different answers on this uh, but I like to connect it with the two that just came before. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin. And so what's what could we name this one is the parable of the two lost hmm. sons. There's two sons in the story, and actually they're both lost. The one goes off, right? And, and here we follow the basic outline of the comedy. Uh, everything's good. Dad has two boys on the family farm. Life is great until the younger son says to the dad, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. Give me my inheritance now. In other words, dad, I wish you were dead so I could have my money right now. And the first crazy thing the father does is he gives it to him uh, and the son leaves he goes off he wastes he does waste his money he's prodigal in that way and uh, he ends up at the bottom right the bottom of the story arc with the pigs he uh, he doesn't have any food he's homeless he's starving and uh, the turn the you know 
again with the comedy story arc, the turn does not come when the son, this lost son says, you know, I should go back to my dad and ask to become one of his servants. Uh, we kind of think, well, he's repenting. So that's the, there's the, there's a turn there, but not quite. Cause what does he think? He thinks that he's, or he says, and he's right. He's not worthy to be called a father's son. Instead, he's going to spend the rest of his life as a slave. Uh, that would be, if that was the end of the story, that would be a tragedy, yeah. right? That would be that would be his downfall. That he had everything and he threw it away. And even if he's not homeless and starving, he's still going to spend the rest of his life as a slave. Uh, but that's not what happens. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's the hmm. turn. That's the dramatic reversal where the father uh, grabs him and kisses him and embraces him and starts throwing the party, right? Here we see the the party at the end of the comedy, uh, bring the fattened calf and kill it. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the classic images of a comedy where you have a death and a resurrection. Something was lost. Something's been found. And they begin to celebrate. They throw their their party to to wrap up that that comedy. The the uh, the thing to remember though is that's actually not even that's still not the end of the story because I said it's the parable of the two lost sons, right? You almost can picture these two story arcs happening at the same time where while the younger son has his fall as he leaves to waste his life and end up with the pigs, homeless and starving, the older son who stays with the dad has starts to have his rise in the form of the in the tragedy form. He starts to have his rise as he is, you know, He's the one who stays. He's he's he has the power. He has you know the family business. He uh, he becomes proud of himself for being the good son, while his younger brother is the bad son. And when his brother comes back and is welcomed by his father, he becomes you know he becomes very uh, very angry, right? And he uh, refuses to go in and welcome his brother home. And his father has to go out and beg him to to come back in. The uh, uh, the interesting thing about how this story ends is that Jesus doesn't tell us what the older brother does, so he doesn't quite end it. It's it doesn't end with the older brother's tragedy tragedy, um, but Jesus leaves it off. I think almost as an invitation to all of us older brothers: Are we going to rejoice? with the one who was lost and is now found? Are we going to rejoice when the sinner repents and come, is brought back into the church? He's telling this story, in fact, to the Pharisees who are angry about Jesus welcoming sinners and forgiving sinners, right? And he's saying to the Pharisees, hey, you older brothers that never left, that stayed with dad the whole time, is your story going to end as a tragedy where you refuse to celebrate and rejoice and stay outside the father's house, or are you going to come in and join the party and be one with your father and your brother? Uh, so in many ways, uh, uh, 
people find themselves in tragedies because they re- they refuse to rejoice. They refuse mm-hmm. to rejoice over the forgiveness of sins, uh, and they want to stick. They want to kind of uh, stay off to themselves and be proud uh, in their own. Uh, you know, in their own rights. So uh, a story that has all the makings of a comedy, we're going to have the, 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 the wedding, the feast, the rejoicing, we're going to have the whole thing. Those who refuse to rejoice turn their comedy into a tragedy, you know, and, and it's interesting because as we're thinking about this, you know, in in all of these situations, you know, in all of the the comedies that you have um, brought to our attention, there's always a character on the outside that comes in and saves the day, that that makes the the happily ever after. You know, that 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 yeah. that that, uh, that turns what could have been a tragedy uh, into. A, a comedy, and so this this idea of of just I don't want a comedy. I I want a tragedy. I want I want to do this of 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 my own merit. That that becomes you know I mean going back to the parable of the the rich fool, right? Like his own action becomes his downfall or, you know, with, with Macbeth, you know, his own action became his, his downfall. And, um, so, you know, I'm always looking for the, the, you know, how do we differentiate between these things? And I, and I think that that, you know, the, 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 the self-demise, right, you know, that, um, you know, I mean, that, that's, as you pointed out with Romeo and Juliet, that that's not always, it's not always a self-demise, but, uh, but many times in a tragedy, if we think about tragedies, it's, it's something that uh, the character has done to himself to get to that uh, point, whereas with the comedy, the rejoicing only happens after the intervention of, of someone else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody else comes and makes that, that happy ending possible. And, uh, and that no one, um, obviously the, the villains, the forces of evil are excluded from the happy ending. Uh, you know, say, say a, a dragon has a princess caught imprisoned in a tower, uh, and the knight comes, he kills the dragon and rescues the princess. Um, there's no rehabilitation for dragons, you know, in a fairy tale. It's they're they're evil and they need to be destroyed. That's but um, it's they're very you know sort of black and white sort of stories, which is what they're meant to be. Uh, but when we think about uh, comedies that we see in the Bible, like the parable of the these two lost sons, we see no one no one is excluded from the comedy. No one's ex- no one's forced out of the party, uh, but the son. Or the Pharisees, they exclu- they do exclude themselves because they want to be, they want to be. I mean, to put it in Lutheran terms, they want to be judged on the basis of their own righteousness, right, uh, rather than on the righteousness of Christ. So maybe we're already tipping our hands to for our listeners to where where we're going uh, with this. But maybe before we get to to Christ, I'm just going to throw out two other examples of comedies in the Bible, and I'm I. We could spend a lot more time talking about them, but I'm just going to 
tell the listeners to go read these stories themselves. They're they're both longer than the parables, but they're not uh, you know they're not terribly hard to read. One would be go read the Book of Ruth. It's only four chapters, and I'll give you the clue of what to look for. It it it's a comedy. It follows the shape of the comedy, and so see if you can see you know if you can find where. How does the story start? Does it start in a in a kind of a good place for Ruth? Uh, what happens? Maybe right away at the beginning, something happens that takes her to uh, some sort of, you know, disaster or separation or ruin. And then where's where does the turn come for Ruth and her mother-in-law, uh, Naomi? Where does that reversal of fortune come in? And who brings that, right? Like you said, somebody from the outside comes and rescues them from their tragedy and brings them into a comedy. And how does that I've already told you it's a comedy, so you should know what to look for at the end of the story. How does the story end, right? There's also uh, the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a few chapters there, but it's one of the most fun stories to read, I think, in the Bible. And you can see here where uh, it's also a comedy. And Joseph, there's he has more than one uh, fall and rise. So he, uh, see if you can count, you know, how many falls and rises does he have, uh, in, in his story where something, uh, you know, something happens to bring him into separation or death of some kind. And then where he's brought back out of that again, it happens at least a couple times to him. So that would be good to look for. That's fantastic. And I would invite our listeners um, as they uh, search these things out and and look for them and find them, uh, whether in in these examples or or other examples. Now that they're now that they're attuned to this, it, they're going to have a hard time uh, unseeing um, tragedy and comedy, which is which is fantastic. Um, so I would I would really encourage our listeners um, to to interact with us and engage with us. Uh, the Wittenberg Hour has. Has uh, a Facebook page. We we post all of uh, the the episodes as they come out uh, to that page. And uh, Pastor Dodgers, I know, would be um, more than happy and willing to interact with uh, our listeners as as they uh, dive in and and engage with these things. So uh, I'll be sure to in the the episode notes uh, for this episode uh, to include a link to that page so that our listeners can can go there and and interact with us. Be sure to join us next week for part two of The Gospel is a Comedy. Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on the Wittenberg Hour.